Hello, Gems. Welcome to another episode of TRs in Tech. I'm your host, Shelley Benhoff, and today I'm talking to Jillian Kaplan, Head of Global Telecom Thought Leadership. We talked about her journey as a Pluralsight author, the importance of emotional intelligence in leadership, and not settling for a job that doesn't make you happy. Without further ado, on to the episode. Hey, Jillian, welcome to the show. Thank you so, so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, let's just jump right in and have you tell us your story of how you got started in tech. Sure. Um, So pretty simple. I went to an engineering school and we had a lot of sort of tech-based recruiters come to campus Um, And I got hired at like a campus interview process. Um, Both my parents are involved in STEM careers. My dad was an engineer. My mom's a scientist. So it never really occurred to me that it was something I couldn't do. And it was something I was interested in. I've always kind of been like more interested in math and science. And so it made sense for me to sort of go to a school that focused on that and then enter a career that focused on that. It was also... Um, I entered the telecom space first. It was a really exciting time in telecom. We were moving everything from like a copper network to a fiber network. And, you know, Wi-Fi was just becoming a thing. I'm dating myself. (laughs) But like it was a really cool time to be in the space. And it was never a question on if I could. It was just if it was something I was interested in. Yeah, absolutely. I have a lot of the same. (laughs) We're both millennials. And uh, sometimes when I think about what that means, I'm just like, oh my gosh, we really got into tech like when it was kind of taken off. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, can you tell us your career progression and then, you know, as a plural site author, we have to go through this whole like, audition process. And I, you know, I'm telling you a two part question. I, I really try not to do this because when people do it to me, I'm like, what was the second part? So career progression. Go yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, I started my career um, in the telecommunications industry in network engineering, and it was a great place to start. Like I said, we were going from the transition from copper to fiber. And I learned a lot about like just how things work at a company, right? So transformation and a lot about finance, like how to get equipment off the books that we're not using. And um, I learned SQL and like it was a lot of like the basis of like company, kind of like how to be a part of a company, right? And then um, I went and got an MBA while I worked sort of on the side and um, it was tech focused. And I thought I wanted to get into advertising because I'm always kind of like had a creative side. And then I was like, oh, Jillian, you're not that creative. Like, you've still got to stay with the nerdy stuff. So I ended up in a product management role for a software that I thought thought was great. Like, it was a great combination of sort of like creativity and building a product, right, a SaaS tool, and still getting to like talk to the engineers and really kind of deal with that side. And then I did some marketing operations and sales enablement. And in transparency, that was way too many spreadsheets for me. I'm like, there's just a lot of tracking. And I ended up um, in a product marketing role where I focused on uh, telecommunications companies as my customer. So I had been in the industry 14 plus years when I came over to this role. 
And then from product marketing, I transitioned into um, what I do now, which is thought leadership. So it started looking at all of our solutions for telecommunications companies and building out what is that actually like? This is interesting reference architecture, but what does that actually mean for the real world and for human beings? And really looking at how technology can make our lives better, um, which I, I love. Um, I, I know probably everyone says this, but this is like the best job I've ever had. I love it. I'm so passionate about it. And um, I love that I get to be super creative, but still get to like geek out a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I am 100% with you. I love like nerdy stuff, but lately I've, I've been exercising creativity, like for the first time in a very long time. And it's really cool. Like, why have I waited so long to try to be creative instead of this like logical robot yeah. brain? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Exactly. So as a plural site author, as I said, we um, have this whole like process. But first of all, how did you even hear about this opportunity to teach online courses? Sure. So I had taken a public speaking course um, in January 2020 um, because, you know, I had gotten some feedback that I really needed to get out in front of more customers. So I took this course and honestly, I got some really harsh feedback. The woman told me that I sounded like a Valley girl. She's like, I know you're smart, but you don't sound very smart. I was like, okay. So I really, exactly. So I really started to like kind of hone in on that and understand. She was like, it's your inflection at the end of your voice and okay, whatever. So um, then February and March of 2020 hit and there was no getting in front of customers. Like I wasn't going anywhere (laughs) in March of 2020. Right. And I was, I got like a job alert for like, like a part-time, it was like a virtual job board I saw. And it was for, and it was for Pluralsight and they were looking for people to teach about product marketing and product management. And I was like, okay. And since I couldn't get in front of anyone and I couldn't practice, that's why I started it. I, I applied. They called me. I did the interview. I, I have no editing skills, by the way. So like they do all that stuff for me. That is not my forte. I love teaching and I love like talking through topics and that sort of stuff. But I didn't, I told them, I'm like, I don't do video editing and I don't have a desire to like learn how to do intense video editing. So it was literally like a random remote part-time job board. And it was me knowing that I had to improve my public speaking skills, but couldn't physically get in front of the public. And then they were like, oh, and you get paid for this. And I was like, oh, (laughs) okay, (laughs) right? Like bonus. Um, What I didn't realize at the time is that like, someone told me it's like less than 10% of authors get accepted or something crazy. I just was like, oh, this is cool. Cool. I'll do this. Right. Um, I didn't think anything of it is the answer it was just like a random, like, it's a skill I know I need to work on. And this is an opportunity to work on it in the current environment we're in. Yeah. Um, I, for me, like, Pluralsight has changed my entire life after I became an author. Like, I, I also didn't think it was like a big deal. But yeah. Right less than 10% of all applicants are actually accepted and even a smaller percentage of them actually publish a course. 
because oh, it's not uh, easy. And like you said, the the editing. Um, so early on, I I got my husband to do all that for me. Yeah, because <laughs> I number one, I hate the sound of my voice. And number two, I would never publish anything if I was editing my own self because I would like criticize and yeah, like it just wouldn't happen. But where's I going with that? Oh, right. So um, as as an author myself, people started to like respect me. <laughs> I was wondering what was your experience after people found out that you're an author? You know, I haven't had like a lot of people in my professional career sort of reach out to me about it. I've had a couple of communications, people like connect with me on LinkedIn, like, hey, I loved your course, right? So that's been super cool to get that kind of feedback. And I've met so many other amazing authors like yourself and been able to like grow my professional community and kind of like-minded people that want to support people and that want to teach and want to learn because not everyone is like that, right? Some people just want to do their job and go home. But I am passionate about paying it forward and teaching and, you know, making sure that like what I know can get translated to, to other people as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, you have a lot of courses and guides. I was I was looking at it yesterday. Can you tell us the topics that you teach and um, why they're like important to you? Sure. So I teach um, product management and product marketing courses. That's sort of what I do. So that's kind of the basics, right? Um, I also teach about innovation, which is something I'm super passionate about. And I think is so incredibly important. It's what's that saying? Like, culture. It's like something about like culture and innovation. I don't even know it right now, but I actually took a course a few weeks ago at MIT that talked about how like, um, which I never put two and two together. I think I've always been a very creative, innovative person, but it talked about how people that have um, very like emotionally intelligent managers actually foster greater innovation. And I never put two and two together until I realized like, wow, it was a turning point for me when I had managers that were super in tune and emotionally intelligent that my innovation was born, right? So um, that is something that I'm super passionate about paying it forward. I teach about emotional intelligence as well and how incredibly important those soft skills are. I say like the next time you think like, oh, checking in on an employee or like hosting that offsite isn't going to like move your bottom line. It probably is because it's going to foster that innovation. It's going to get more out of those people, right? Um, I teach about diversity and inclusion, which is so incredibly important to me. Um, and it's a really hard topic. And truthfully, I've had some comments on my, like, this this doesn't belong on Pluralsight, right? I've had some comments like that. And that's kind of a tough pill to swallow. But I also, just like I disagree with emotional intelligence not being important, because I think it's very important, diversity and inclusion is also super important. And I teach about communication, um, specifically virtual communication is incredibly important. And then I've done some project management as well, because as a product manager and a product marketing person, there's a lot of project management that sort of comes within that. And I do have um, an agile uh, marketing certificate. So I've done some stuff around that. 
Have you published all of this since 2020, I guess? Yes. Yeah. Um, Your author page is so much longer than mine. When they were doing like writing stuff, I do love to write. So I enjoy yeah. those. Yeah. I actually um, did a exam um, where I wrote exam questions and, you know, all of that. That was super fun. I, yeah. I hadn't done that in a really long time. But yeah. You've been busy. You've been publishing. I love it though. Like, yeah. I feel really lucky that I get to teach about things that I'm passionate about and that people are getting value out of it. Cause it's hard to sit, right. I can't teach a thousand people one-on-one, -on -one, but if I can get it out there and like make it accessible for people through a platform like Pluralsight, that's incredibly important to me. And it's incredibly important to business and the industry, right? Absolutely. Everyone's success. Yeah. And it's, um, it's a really cool, like opportunity for us to have this like passive income, mm -hmm. which is how I started my business because I, I was still earning off of courses. And then if I work enough on top of it, then it, it all works out. I'm, I'm still figuring things out, but yeah. yeah. Totally. The passive income. Yeah. Um, out of all of your courses, I've, I've watched one at least twice. Hard wiring, diversity and inclusion into everything you do and say. So the reason I watched this was because um, my husband's sibling, I'll say, they are uh, non-binary, um, came out uh, 2016, probably. I, I had called them her my whole life, and I was trying to get to a place where I could just say they, like naturally, and I have now, and it's like amazing. How do you achieve that? Yeah, I think, you know, it's really hard um, to, it, sh it shouldn't be really hard, but it's really hard for a lot of people to, like, understand that inclusion, it can be understanding, to your point, like, things that you're struggling with. None of us are perfect. So that's something I talk a lot about in the course. Like, just because you make a mistake and misgender someone or say something offensive to someone or have a, a microaggression that you don't realize, that's not the problem. The problem is when you don't address it, right? And you refuse to say like, oh, well, this is on me. Um, I, I mean, I have so many stories. I, I had a conversation with someone who does identify as they, them, and we were doing a panel and I'm like, they had asked that we put our pronouns. And I was like, but why? Everyone knows I'm she, her. And they said, but, you know, if you put your pronouns on, it helps people understand that you're an ally, right? And that you're willing to call people by what pronouns they're most comfortable with instead of what pronouns you think that they should have. And I'm like, okay. And that was a lesson for me. And that was also like something that I had you know, a little bit of a microaggression, right? But it's important to address those things and not just say like whatever about them. That's the, the key. I also had a conversation with a woman who reached out to me who lived in Egypt. And my first thought was women in Egypt can work. 
right? Like I, I literally, and I told her, I thought that, and she's like, it's so crazy, Jillian, because I know tons of people think that when they talk to me, you're the first one (laughs) to say it out loud. Right. And, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's, but it's, it doesn't make me a terrible person because I have these thoughts. It, it helps me grow as a person. And I think the more that we put out there that we're not perfect and that like we are working through understanding different cultures and different genders and whatever it is, that's the key to getting society to say like, okay, we can all do this together and none of us are, are perfect. So for me, it's about understanding sort of where you're struggling and addressing what you may be doing that may be offensive or non-inclusive to someone else instead of just ignoring it. Absolutely. It um, takes a lot of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. I um, One of the things that I talk about all of the time is that, you know, I I call people out a lot on like stupid things they say to me or whatever, especially um, because I stutter. And so if it happens, then people laugh, right? It's just the normalization of laughing at someone with an actual disability, you know? And so I'm like, that's not okay. I stutter. They'll either say, "I, I didn't mean to offend you, so you shouldn't be offended. Or why didn't you tell me before I left? Okay, first of all, it is not my job to police or to like, <laughs> um, what is it? Like take control of someone else's ignorance. Like you are, you are in charge of that. You know, I, I'm not going to tell you up front that I stutter if I'm not stuttering at the time. Why would I do that? You know, but then it like breaks some people's brains to apologize and admit that they were wrong. Yeah. And sometimes, cause I, I also teach, you know, a lot of this too. And sometimes I'm just like, I feel like I'm teaching kindergarten. Just be nice. Be nice to each other. And it's, oh my God, it's, it gets tiresome after a while, but this is why I, I also teach all of this stuff because I want to help the people who are open to learning this stuff. Yeah. But I've also yeah, had and it's, some. It's so important to like move your business forward, to have everyone feel accepted at work because people are going to do their best work when they feel like they're a part of something and when they feel respected and when they feel, you know, included. And, and I think when someone who teaches about DEI and talks about it, which I do a lot on my social as well, admits that they're not perfect, right? And I... I didn't think about putting my pronouns in there. I assumed, you know, women in the Middle East couldn't work, right? It makes them feel like, okay, like maybe I can start addressing some of my unconscious biases or my microaggressions, right? Because mm-hmm. none of us are perfect, even those of us that that teach about it. We've just learned. Absolutely. The reason I teach uh, 
leadership is because I used to be a horrible manager right? right. because I learned these horrible practices from other horrible managers. And when I realized that I, I, I was doing bad things, then I was just like, well, how do I learn how to do the right things? And so I just, I teach it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. So let's take a quick break for my segment, Precious Gems. This is where I take comments from uh, social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, and LinkedIn probably at some point. Um, yeah. So let me show today's Precious Gem. Do do share my screen. So this one comes from Instagram and it's from a, a um, post about user groups are um, a great way to learn because you get diverse speakers. Um, this was on Instagram. I have a friend there who, who responds to a whole bunch of the posts. Aki, thank you very much. Love this, she says. And then um, also underneath of that, um, Ba with Sina, I'm not exactly sure how to say that anyway, agrees as well that user groups help you get exposure to, you know, a well-rounded group of speakers. So thank you, ladies for your comments. I appreciate it. Um, if you want to be featured as a precious gem, send us your comments uh, at TRs and Tech on all social media. Hey. All right, back to Jillian. Um, I told you earlier that I uh, binge watched your TikToks yesterday. <laughs> I was preparing for this. There were so many different things that, that you talked about, but the one thing that like grabbed me was that you were talking about why you shouldn't settle at work. Can you expand on that? Yeah, I think that, you know, we, when we come into, I was a, you know, 21 year old college hire when I started in, in enterprise, right, in, in having a job. And um, I I really, I just took like, I, I took a job because I thought like that's what I should do. And I stayed there for probably honestly longer than I should have. And I don't necessarily think that like I, I settled, but I think that I got comfortable. And one thing I'll say too about like kind of settling and staying somewhere that maybe isn't serving you anymore. And, and I said at the very beginning of this, like when I started, it was like, I learned so much about business. It was the perfect first job for me, but I was sort of always that 21 year old college hire. And even as I grew in the 13, 14 years that I was there, I feel like I still kind of got pigeonholed into that like that's who I was. It was hard to say, it's like that first impression that I could never really break away from. And so I think I got settled into that and it was really hard for me to start somewhere new, but I had a moment and I just had this conversation actually, we had a team offsite a few weeks ago and a woman started on our team 
who also had 14 years somewhere. And she's like, oh, it's just so hard to start somewhere new after 14 years. And I'm like, yes, but this is your opportunity because if you can bring forward the person you are today, even if you're bringing that person forward in your last role, there was probably still parts of you from 14 years ago that someone remembered and was, and you were getting stuck, right? If you can bring forward who you are today and really not even reinvent yourself because you've been that person, but really be able to put that as your first impression instead of your last impression, that's going to change the game for you. And it changed the entire game for me um, is really around not getting, it's not really around not settling, but not getting stuck and not getting comfortable. Um, really learning to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and doing things that are way outside of your comfort zone and taking on new challenges and asking for things that you want. So I'll tell you last year, I asked for a promotion. I said like, I want a promotion. I, this is what I want. And I have an amazing manager. I mean, he's great. And he was like, Oh, okay. Like, let's look at what you have to do to get there. And we sat down and we, we had, it wasn't like time. It wasn't something that was unactionable. We sat down and we looked at this is what you need. So I started to do those things. Right. And we checked in and we had conversations and it was, I can't tell you how uncomfortable it was to be like, I want a promotion. I've never said that in my whole career. But one thing I teach this workshop, The Art of the Subtle Brag, one thing that I always tell people is your manager is not a mind reader. So I might not have got that promotion. And I did get the promotion, but I might not have got that promotion this year if I didn't speak up. And not because my manager is a bad manager, but because he didn't know that's what I was looking towards, right? He didn't know that's what I wanted. So you've got to get, get, put, start putting yourself out there, start sharing what you're doing and really, really not just kind of like be right. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to be move forward instead of just like staying in the status quo. That was yeah. a long answer. <laughs> no, no. It's a podcast, Jillian. Like, yeah, I know. That's what this is for. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny that you bring this up. I, I teach the, um, and I, uh, I have like a whole part in a course about that. You have to ask for a promotion. It's not going to be just handed to you unless, you know, you're in some system or whatever, but most jobs don't have that. You have to ask. And having the balls to do that is hard. So hard. congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was so hard. But like I was so – and let me tell you, when I share that on LinkedIn, like my whole network celebrated with me. People are nice. genuinely happy. But I also shared how I got – I didn't just say like, oh, look at me. I got a promotion. It was like this is how I got there. So I guarantee you someone else started to think like, oh, maybe I need to ask. Maybe I need to have a conversation on how to – and that's, that's all that's, I mean, it wasn't a plural site course, it was a LinkedIn post, but like, that's my teaching mindset. And that's my like pay it forward mindset. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, we, we are kind of public people. I, um, I realized after many, many years that uh, when you're an author, you know, your product isn't your courses, it's you. Personally, yeah, mm -hmm. I that's why I do this now. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. okay, yeah, and it's um, it's a 
responsibility to help people. Yeah. And so even a post or a chat or whatever, like I, I really am also passionate about influencing other people to step up and do what they actually want and not settle. <laughs> yep. 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 For sure. Bringing that around. Yeah. Um, what advice would you have for anyone who is interested in a tech career? Start applying. Um, it doesn't matter if you don't check every single box because no one checks every single box. Um, and I think women struggle with this more than men, men just, I'm not saying men don't struggle, but like women, if we don't check every single box, we're like, oh, we're not going to get that job. Just apply, right? Just apply. And, um, I've started, I started working on a diversity committee, like a telecommunications diversity committee outside of my kind of current job. I rep, I rep my company, but it's not just in my company. We've talked about like, maybe in tech we could have you know they have like check boxes of like the kind of job and the location and the level what if we had like non-technical versus technical background required because not everyone who's interested in tech has a tech background so but there's so many jobs like in project management or you know some communications jobs or we have lots of social media jobs for example that don't require you to be a scientist or an engineer to do them so we've talked about like, could we make it more inclusive and, and make it easier for people to apply to those non-technical jobs or more inviting, right? You've got to start applying. Um, if you want to learn more, I would say go out. You don't have to go get an engineering degree or a master, whatever. There's tons of like coursework out there at Pluralsight, but also like, <laughs> like there's, you know, certifications through AWS and Google and all these other Azure that you can just do really quickly and relatively inexpensively if you're interested in getting into the industry. Um, I, I highly recommend start applying and start taking courses and certifications in what you're interested in. Yeah, absolutely. Applying is a great um, tip because through that um, process, you learn what that process looks like mm -hmm. yep. after, after you have interview, after interview, I'm not saying that you will have tons of interviews, but if you're just starting out, it is harder. Unfortunately, yeah. no matter how many times I tweet, hire junior devs, like <laughs> some people still don't want to do that. But yeah, like um, there is more to tech than engineering there's yeah have you seen the woman on tiktok that talks about like when you said like hire junior devs that talks about how like the hiring manager's like oh this is an entry-level role and i need five years experience she's like a she's yeah. a recruiter and she's like what <laughs> like you want entry level but five like it's it's to your point it's it gets yeah. mismatched but, but get your foot in the door like if you really want to be in tech get your foot in the door with a job and the rest of it can be learned, make connections, reach out, right? Like I sort of went the other way. I started in engineering and I moved to this thought leadership role um, with stops in product management and sales enablement marketing along the way. So 
you can go any which direction you want. I'll tell you though, like even in my marketing role, I built this demo and I learned how to code in some JavaScript, which I've never used JavaScript before. So like, there's definitely things that you can do um, if you, you know, like if you want to in, in tech, you don't have to learn how to code, but I was like, okay, I had this little robot. I'm like, mm, learn some JavaScript. It's been really fun. So It is fun. I, I love to tinker. And after changing from, you know, coding to like leadership, I really missed tinkering, which is why now I like stream on Twitch and I tinker with stuff because, yeah. you know, otherwise I'm, I'm teaching leadership or I'm leading my team to produce content, you know? Um, yeah. You said something uh, earlier about, oh yeah, junior devs. Um, I, it's funny, I am currently working on a course. <laughs> I'm currently hiring and the course is called Launching Successful Teams. <laughs> like perfect time, right? I get really um, emotional in this one clip where I like leaned into the microphone and I'm like, five years of experience isn't a junior dev. Yeah. Zero years of experience is a junior dev. (laughs) I'm also very passionate about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But that, um, that TikTok, yeah, I, I wish I could like pull it up, but yeah, it's, um, it's really true that there are so many hiring practices that are not good. Yeah. And, and we've got to like, you know, people are going to retire. Right. And we got to make sure that we have like an influx of new talent, um, people interested in the industry and fresh ideas too. Right. Tech yeah. is moving faster than ever. Absolutely. The number one um, argument that people tell me when I'm like hire junior devs, they're always like, but they're so hard to like work with and train. And I'm like, that's on you. That's not right. on them. Like yeah. they need the support to be successful in, in their careers. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's a passion of mine because I mentor like a lot of people online and this is their main um, issue is just that, you know, the jobs that say junior, like aren't junior and they pay a junior salary, which Mm -hmm. is what companies, you know, want. So. Sounds good, right? Get experience and not pay a lot. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, I mean, (laughs) of course, that's what companies want, but it's not, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense either. Right. So totally. I'm so grateful. Like looking back, I'm like, I don't even know why they gave me the job. (laughs) My first job. Right. But someone did. And someone gave me, someone gave me a chance. I mean, even like this role, when I got hired to do product marketing where I am now, like I originally got hired to do VDI virtual desktop. I knew nothing about virtual desktop, but like I came with really good references. I, I was a solid candidate, right? I, I had product management. I had some marketing. I had some engineering that kind of like made product. I don't know. Um, and then my first day walking in, they were like, oh, actually, like we we're going to put you in telecom. Is that cool? And I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I know that industry well. But my point is like I didn't have 
traditional product marketing experience and I didn't have any VDI experience, but someone gave me a chance because I came with good references and I was able to articulate that I could learn this, right? That the, the learning is not the hard part. It's really just like getting people who are passionate and want to do the work and are good humans. Like there, I, there was something the other day too about like people that are really good at their job, but like really toxic to the work culture. I don't personally, I've seen it before. I don't personally experience it now. Thank goodness. But like that to me, I'd rather have someone that didn't know anything about the job, but was like a really good person and easy to work with than someone who knew everything and was just like toxic. That could drag everyone down. Absolutely. I, I tell this story a lot, but it's worth repeating. The worst manager I ever had went to Harvard. <laughs> and the only thing I learned from her is that an education at Harvard doesn't teach you how to be a good person. Mm. And so because she wasn't a good person, she wasn't a good manager at all. Right. <laughs> like emotional intelligence was non-existent for her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like you need um, for like teams especially, you need a good, diverse group. And that not only means like gender, race and all that stuff, but also age and experience. Like I- Personality, I've, right? Personality, like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And being a good person always helps. Um, but yeah, like, where was I going with that? I always forget things. It's getting to the end of the day. <laughs> And as a geriatric millennial, right? I hate that term. Like who, you know, or, or even elder actually is, is kind of okay because elder is more of like a respectful term. But when I heard the term geriatric millennial, I was like, I'm not like in a home, you know? I go with Zennial, which is like I'm right in between Millennial and Gen Gen X. So yeah, same. We're Gen Y. What happened to that? <laughs> like that's what we used to be called, and then know. all of a sudden we're Millennials. But there's like Gen X and Z, and they just rebranded our entire generation. I don't know who decides this stuff either, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, goodness. Um, yeah, so we are nearing the end of our time. I'm always, I'm always sad to end these because, you know, like I could, I could talk to you all day long <laughs> about everything. Um, before I let you go, can you tell people where to um, connect with you and promote yourself? Sure. Yeah. So I'm on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and you can find me at the real Jay Kaplan on all those. So J K A P L A N. Um, LinkedIn, I'm just Jillian.Kaplan, I think. Um, I'll have to check. I'll have to check that. But feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. That's where like most of my 
um, work focused content is. I would say like Twitter a little bit, and most of my personal stuff is on TikTok and Instagram and, and Facebook. But feel free to connect with me anywhere. And then all the I have a plural site page, and then all the guides that I've sort of like written on my own um, for DEI and tech are at unwrittenguides.com, um, and we've. We've uh, taught people about the art of the subtle brag, which is what I kind of touched on earlier about how to sort of self-promote. And we've, we have two guides that we've met with uh, over 20 top leaders in the industry and gotten their top three tips for a successful career that includes DE&I. So not just like things you should do to like kind of climb the corporate ladder, but how to like be inclusive in the process. So like be a good person and grow your career. They don't have to be... They're not mutually exclusive. They should be inclusive. And that's what these guides focus on. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll have um, links to everything in the uh, um, description or show notes, whatever. Um, Jillian, thank you so incredibly much. I, I enjoyed this conversation a lot. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you want to support us, please like, subscribe, and share this episode with your fellow gems. Let me know in the comments what other topics you would like me to cover and follow TRs and Tech on social media and use the hashtag MakeYourselfShine. Thanks for watching or listening and have a great day. Bye.